and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who loves a bit of saxophone in his national anthems. <laughs> his name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I mean, it got us off to a lively start. The Curacao National Anthem had some saxophone getting in there lively. It was the smoothest national anthem I've ever heard. Yeah. yeah. And then things took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. We are here to talk about the USA's 1-0 mm-hmm. win over Curacao in the Gold Cup quarter final. Yep. Big picture, not a great performance. We got the job done. Mm-hmm. I would argue there are moments that we can be positive about in terms of the positional play stuff working where we open Curacao up, like mm-hmm. one of them being the goal. But there are also some things to be concerned about <laughs> on the other side of the ball. And yes. I want to tease it a little bit and we'll get into the detail of the things that mm-hmm. we are genuinely concerned about in terms of the way Bearhalter has the team set up and maybe even some tactical decisions made mid-game in this game. Fair? Yeah, absolutely. Because we, uh, leaving the Panama game, like in that review show, I think I kind of came around to a lot of, the, of your way of thinking about Greggy Ball, about kind of the patterns of play, yep. about like movement off the ball. I think we did see more of that, or some of that at least tonight. Yeah. And I think it did I'd, pay dividends. i say we saw less than in previous games. There's that. Right? And I think Even that's in where... The, in the post-match cref- press conference, yeah. Bell was talking about there was enough movement in the second half. Mm-hmm. Speed of play wasn't fast enough, so he wasn't happy yeah. with how we moved the ball in the second half. And I feel like, yes, and so I, I say that just to say that yes, we're going to get into some of that later. I think you still remain a bit more optimistic about things or positive about things. Yeah. Whereas I feel a little bit more like like if you're with like I don't know like you you've been promised like your partner's not going to cheat and then you see them with like another person again and you're like well, you just said you were going to go hang out with people and now I don't know what to think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my big picture. I've been watching HBO Succession and I trust no one anymore. <laughs> that show will make you paranoid. It right? will, but it is excellent, right? Yes. I really like it. It is. Um. So my this isn't. I don't think this is positivity or optimism or any of that stuff. It's more just. It's not such a big deal that there's a bad performance in the quarterfinal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You get through the quarterfinal, you win 1-0, you get to the next round. In the long run, it's kind of okay. Mm-hmm. Not every game can be a blowout. And I also think there's an element of underestimating Curacao. Not from Behalter's standpoint, but maybe from uh, the fan base standpoint. Because we, we were ready to underest- under- underestimate them. Yeah. Then we watched some Curacao and, and we looked at where the players played. It's Eredivisie, Premier League. USL Championship. Yep. So it's, it's a mix, but there were some high-level players. And I think maybe you put it in that context, it's not so bad to only beat Curacao 1-0. But I think because it's a nation a lot of people haven't heard of, they think, we should smash this team 5-0. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably true. I, I take one issue with what you said, which is I, I do kind of think the, the U.S. national team did overlook them a little bit and maybe did underestimate them and thought, oh, they'll be a little bit nervous, they'll kind of go long, they'll try to be direct, they'll bunker. I don't think we saw a lot yeah. of that from Curacao, and I think the U.S. expected them to play that way, and when they didn't, yeah. kind of struggled to adapt. One big way to look at this game is uh, Curacao play a very Dutch-style yep. 4-3-3, building out of the back, refusing to go long. They kind of play the soccer Bearhalter wants to play. It's a mm-hmm. very, it was almost a mirror image of two teams yes, playing was. very similar styles yeah and mm-hmm. i think that might be one of the keys is we thought we could force them to go long and they steadfastly refuse and they played out of the back yep. which is credit to them mm-hmm. and lack of credit to us for not being able to force them to go long yep yeah yeah absolutely spurs, spurs could have done it <laughs> they could have that's I mean, one of the pochettino goal, goals right is force yep. the team long i think he could have forced curacao long mm-hmm. so we want to talk more about maybe why the united states wasn't able to do that about what curacao yeah. were able to do as a result but do we want to start maybe on a little bit more optimistic note since yeah. we do get uh, the lead relatively early in this yeah, game. not least because chronologically this yeah. did go well to begin with and mm-hmm. then got progressively uh, less impressive, right? Yes. And so there's the there's the Pulisic dribble mm-hmm. to, to start the game where he drives at people and opens them up um, and he has that shot and 
maybe if he'd been a little less selfish and mm-hmm. not and passed Boyd was open a couple of times, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a really a chance that Pulisic could have opened this game up in really, really early on. Yeah, I think we saw from Pulisic and from Tyler Boyd on, on a couple of occasions in this game a willingness to try to kill the game as effectively and early as possible. Yeah. And so in that moment, and and I don't really fault Pulisic for that one. I would have liked to see him play in Tyler Boyd, maybe a little bit a little bit like earlier than even we thought he could have. There were two opportunities, yeah. right? There was one where he could have played it like to the inside of the defender to mm-hmm. Boyd on the outside. And there's another one right before he shot, everybody converged on Pulisic. Yep. And that was the moment where Boyd was wide open, yeah. would have been one-on-one with the keeper at a not too wide angle. Right. He absolutely should have passed it. But it's also the case that Pulisic starts this move by receiving the ball maybe 15 yards inside his own half yeah. and dribbles that entire length of the field to get the shot off. So yeah. there's, with he's that in it. mind, there's an element of like, he's beaten a bunch of players already. Maybe he's just feeling himself and he yeah. wants to have that go. He's got the armband. Yep. It's in Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. I'm and sure the family were there. And he has another one later on in the second half where he has the shot that goes just wide. And it's another one where maybe he could have looked to pass. Maybe he could have found like Weston McKinney or uh, even Paul Areola with a reverse ball. But I think he wants to kill the game. He wants to get that second goal. Yeah. And I don't think it's even necessarily about Him, maybe that's me giving him the credit because I like Christian Pulisic, but I I genuinely. You mean mean it's not just like. I don't think it's just like I'm I'm all selfish. I want to be good. I think it's just sort of like I have an opportunity to score. I am one of the people who is likely to score on this team, so I'm going to take this chance. So it's not Neymar, it's more Messi. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Sure. I think it's a good way to do Christian Pulisic is Lionel Messi, yes. (laughs) And then the 25th minute goal from Weston McKenney. I think not only is the Pulisic cross is great, the way Pulisic beats the defender is great. Maybe we'll get into the details Mm -hmm. of that. The McKenney finish is really good. But the build-up play, there's yes. like 14 passes in the build-up to this. Mm-hmm. This is this is Greggy Ball um, when it's working, is is this goal. Yeah, it's yeah. Aaron Long, Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic, Jassy Zardes, Weston McKinney, uh, Jassy Zardes again, Christian Pulisic. Oh, Tim Ream is in there too. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've yeah. got... You've doesn't, got it, a, doesn't it even start with Zach Steffen? Oh, excuse me. That was even the wrong passing sequence. That was the one in the fourth minute. There's one oh. even more that's even lengthier. Because this one starts, starts with... with Zach Steffen, yep. um, don't they try and... Uh, like, tr- like David Beckham or... Yes. Some, Wayne Rooney is about a recent example for this. Yes. You know, try and it over Zach Steffen but he catches it and what I really like is he immediately yep. rolls it out and off we go right? and, and there's and 14 Aaron, passes and then got balls in the back of the net and it is like it's a 70 yard shot because the United States has turned over possession we should add very cheaply yeah. um, but then it's also the case then that Aaron Long has sprinted back a good 30 yards Yeah, yeah. and it's not like he's defending somebody it's a shot in the air he sprinted back to restart the play yeah. so I think it shows you the intent there because Aaron Long gets it they move the ball around I actually tracked it because I wanted to see if it was one of those where everybody touched the ball yeah, yeah. they did not unfortunately Zardes coming deep and yep. laying it back Back to a defender, I'm guessing Aaron Lung. Uh, you are uh, correct, yes. Yeah. But the key moment in this, the most Greggy Ball positional play element of this this whole move that leads up to the goal is the Ariola Pulisic combo down the left wing. Yeah, I would agree with that, absolutely. Because, I mean, it is, like, Zardes dropping in is a thing that we've keyed on as a key part of the positional play. Yeah. But Zardes drops it back to Aaron Long. Aaron Long spreads it to Tim Ream. And as soon as it goes to Tim Ream, like, two things happen. Christian Pulisic, who had ar- also already come central and kind of dropped inside, immediately starts running to essentially the space that Paul Areola vacates because Paul Areola goes to the touchline yeah. to open up for Tim Ream, pulls a defender with him. But then Christian Pulisic's defender just a little lackadaisical tracking him. He gets the run on him, basically, yeah. right? And yeah. now that ball into the channel, into space, is wide open. And the thing that's really important, though, is if Ariola hadn't gone wide, yep. then Pulisic could have run into this place. He's given, is it Shemaine Martina? Mm-hmm. He's got like a yards head start on him, but he'd be running into another defender ready to catch him, right? So Ariola opening up the channel is the absolute Greggy Ball moment. And I think, yeah, and I just want to like double down here to say, because... I can understand how if you're kind of new to it, it, it sounds like basically we're saying like one player moved back and then another player ran forward and then there was a long ball in. And that is yeah. sort of the case. But if yeah. you watch it again, you'll see it's much more 
automatic that like as one goes one moves and it's definitely playing off of each other yeah. with an eye towards finding areas of space that they have aimed to find and it's pre-planned right yeah, that's exactly. the, the whole thing of it yeah. is pre-planned yeah exactly um, and another thing that i haven't heard bell to talk about but i've read a lot in terms of good descriptions of the the basics of positional mm-hmm. play is one of the goals is as well as exploiting space and overloads and all that one of the goals is to match up your quality players 1v1 so that they can make some magic happen and yeah. i think that's a fair description of what pulisic does to Shemaine Martina after Martina catches him up. Yes, I would yeah. agree with that because I also think that part of Curacao's plan was to not let Christian Pulisic get into 1v1 situations. Yeah. Uh, routinely, especially in the first like 15 minutes, there were two defenders on him and they were very physical with yeah. him. I think they did not want this exact scenario to happen. Right, because, so it's an achievement for us to get to yeah. this moment, right? Because yeah. what happens is he beats you one-on-one and plays a perfect <laughs> cross-in and that is exactly what Christian Pulisic does here. That certainly can happen. Yep. How does he beat Martina? It's, a, it's uh, a double step over, but I think what stands out to me the most here is like the intentionality of the double step over because he basically steps over with his right foot, steps over with his left foot, and then takes it with the outside of his right foot yeah. to kind of go back away from goal, but then to be able to put the diagonal cross into the box. And the reason why that stands out to me is because if you lead with the left and then you do a double step over, so now you've stepped over with the right, you then naturally have to take it with your left, so you're just taking it to the touchline, yeah. and then you're having to kind of drive it back across and hope. Whereas this one to me feels like I'm trying to get a little bit of space so that I can then cross the ball in. So I want to like faint with my right, go with my left, cut back with the right, and that really does end up confusing That's the, the way defender. He does it. Yeah. And so just that moment of like knowing which way to lead with to do a Fairly complicated uh, move. I'll be honest, I didn't even see it yeah. on the first couple of viewings. You had to point it out, and then we had to... I didn't watch it in slow-mo, mm-hmm. but I finally... I think like, the third replay shows it. I spotted it after you yeah. pointed it out, because you really just do it very quickly, right? It's like step over, step over. Yep. It's like that fast. Mm-hmm. But, that's, but that's what it takes. Blurry legs. Can, because, Blurry legs, Pulisic. Yeah, because uh, Shermaine Martinez's legs, you can see, like sort of come together, because he's basically yeah. brought them together. He's not quite sure which way to go, but that's exactly what Pulisic is trying to set him up for, because then that delays the response, and that's why he is able to get a little bit of space to cross that ball. It's just enough space to cross oh, it yeah. but and here's my argument perfect cross yeah perfect cross because Lackman I think Lackman mm-hmm. is was it Bakuna I can't remember um, is marking Western McKenney Lash- yeah Lashman yeah, is Lashman mm-hmm. um, and the ball goes just over Lashman mm-hmm. but onto McKenney's head so mm-hmm. it is absolutely perfectly weighted and it's Lashman's not short he's a big centre back yeah and, I, and when I had there it's, it's perfect especially because you're absolutely right that he could have won that ball if it's hit a little bit lower or if it's hit a little bit softer but it's also not it's leading Weston McKinney it's not as though Weston McKinney is standing at the back post with a hand in the yeah, air yeah. Weston McKinney himself has to adjust his run and kind of backpedal to be able to head that ball in which is not to say that Pulisic mishets the ball or overhits it and then Weston McKinney I mean he does well to react to it, but it's more so that Pulisic puts it in the only spot he can put that ball where it's going to be a clean header that's going to cause problems. It's a spot where Lashman can't get it, exactly. right? And where the goalkeeper mm-hmm. can't get it. That's why it's a perfect cross from Christian Pulisic. It is. Does McKenney sort of is just tracked by Lashman into the box yeah. and maybe just takes a couple steps away to yeah. lose him. But I think, I honestly think the credit more goes to Pulisic's I think, cross than yeah. to McKenney's run. It's not some special like... Uh-uh. Fake near post, go far post. There's no, there's no disguise on what McKenney. No, I think that's why it stands out all the more is because it's not. I did expect to see some sort of like check way, check two, darting run that Weston McKenney makes, and really it's just like, oh, he's crossed it to the back corner. I guess I better backpedal a little bit, and then I'll head it in, and we'll have a choreographed celebration that we practiced in our hotel room. That made my heart happy Mm -hmm. because I've also seen when Pulisic first arrived in camp. Yeah, have you seen the Instagram video of McKenney making him dance? That's right. So he does. (laughs) 
it's a similar style of dance to the uh, the celebration, right? Yeah. All right, I like so, it. I like it. It's worth knowing for people, even though they played on different See, more teams. patterns to play. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's synchronized. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though they played on Dortmund and on Schalke, obviously that's in the same city. These guys have spent a lot of time together, right? Yes, it's kind of great to see two friends on the same team making things happen. Yes, that was one yeah. of the few great things to see this evening. Yes, <laughs> and I do think Berhalter. We watched the whole pre- the post match press conference, which yeah. was brief um or brief in like kind of a knockout round competition yeah. you might expect it to be a little bit longer uh-huh. and he definitely purse, is the word I would use. yeah he definitely seemed pretty defensive sometimes justifiably so sometimes arms not folded yes. arms folded for half the half the press conference some death stares yeah and after the first zadas question arms got yeah. folded and never got unfolded nope uh but he he made the point that like there were chances where the united states kind of could have put the game away in this first half yeah. and i do agree and it, is, it is, and i say all that to say that whole preamble was meant to be more of an explanation as to why i'm about to say that like if they take a couple more of those chances if Pulisic finishes the one in the fourth minute, if Michael Bradley finishes the one near the end of the uh, first half, yeah. then it's 3-0. And it's a very different narrative because even if the United States did sit off and did kind of struggle with some of their uh, shape overall, it still ends up as a 3-0 win. But because those chances aren't taken quite cleanly because yeah. they don't go in the net, it changes the very much the narrative and the perspective on this game. The one I would have liked to see go in, mm-hmm. I don't disagree at all, the one I would have liked to see go in is the Bradley strike yeah. from the top of the box. Is this the 36 minute? Am I notes correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. Quite a nice long mm-hmm. build-up, and then Bradley arrives late. And to finish, how I see you do on Sundays a lot, and I really like it. You arrive late and just instep it um, inside, like one of the posts, mm-hmm. and it's just wide of the post, right? Yep. So, I mean, I mean, mine aren't, but yes, yeah, well, yeah, they should have got you in there <laughs> instead. Um, uh, no, but I would like to talk about if we're, what, sure. what we're focusing on the positives. Don't worry, folks. If you if you if you came mm-hmm. here for negativity, we'll get to it like after the ad break in the second half. It's a coming. It's a coming. Mm-hmm. Um, the build-up to this, I think, is really good. I think the build-up in the 36 minute to the 36 minute chance is a good example of Berhalter ball positional play Greggy ball uh, really working once again and nearly creates the second goal it does and I would also say it's a good example of what Tyler Boyd brings to the table yeah. because it feels like the narrative on this one has been that he had his worst game for the US national team so far I think that's true but it's up against some stiff competition what do you mean? mean? As in, they've all been good performances. I feel so like far. he had one, maybe in in one of the friendlies before the tournament began, that we were sort of like, huh? Like okay. in, the, in like the first game, doesn't he score? And then after that, he struggles a little bit. I can't e- remember the. Either way, the I just I, I'm sure there are reasons why people felt that way. Maybe if you were there, you saw his positioning be off a little bit because you have a different perspective. But to me, like this sequence is a great example of what he brings because it starts with him out on the right wing and he when he gets the ball and it's a driven ball to him from Western McKinney Central out to the touchline, which he brings down with his chest under pressure. But then I think proceeds to combine and get passes and drop in and then stretch the defense and cause problems. And he's really heavily involved all over the place in this sequence. And I think that is what he's bringing to the table. It's not just being wide and being pacey, but it's also his ability to kind of control and find smart passes and make smart passes, especially under pressure. If we're talking about... uh Greggy Ball, I keep yeah. repeating it. We're talking mm-hmm. about possession of play. I keep framing it in this way. He's the one that causes overloads like two or yep. three times in this sequence, right? And because I think Nick Lima is out wide on the right, so that job is mm-hmm. you know being done. He's then free to pop up in various places. And this is the least predictable the US looked mm-hmm. was this move because it wasn't everybody in their position and just moving five yards here or there. Suddenly Boyd was like 
just behind Zardes or he was over on the left mm-hmm. or he was just popping up everywhere. And I think that's hard when you're Curacao then to deal with that, right? Because you don't just like, okay, I've got my marks, we've got yeah. our shape. Suddenly this guy's popping up everywhere. And that's how this chance ends up getting created for Michael Bradley, right? I don't mm-hmm. remember how the ball gets back to Bradley. It's Pulisic cutback. It's Pulisic cutback in the end, right? But yeah, mm-hmm. but Boyd just pops up multiple times yeah. in the builder. He does. Yeah. I also, we, I had a, we had a tweet from a friend of mine, Hi Pete, uh, who asked about like, why do we no longer see Nick Lima as that central midfielder anymore? Why doesn't yeah. he become a holding midfielder? And I think one of the things that I enjoyed in our conversation after the Panama game was the idea that like it doesn't always have to be the same person filling a certain spot Yeah, as long as other people are doing it. And this game was another good example of, as you said, Nick Lima bombing forward. So we had the kind of back three in Zimmerman, Long, and Ream. They spread yeah. out. And then I felt like what I saw was Weston McKinney actually staying deeper yeah, a yeah. lot of the time. So then that was almost the like second number six yeah. slash sort of number eight with Michael Bradley. Did you see the um, the shot of Josh Wolf holding the tactics clipboard with yeah. the magazine? Oh, no, you did. Sorry, because we mm-hmm. looked at it, right? Listeners may have <laughs> I was seen in the it. room with you. Sorry, yes. yeah. <laughs> Listeners may have seen it briefly, but obviously because we're who we are, mm-hmm. big nerds, we went back and paused yeah. it and took a good look at what it was. Mm-hmm. And it was the shape that Bell has talk about. Three, two, Two, three. Yep. Right? That's ultimately the shape they want to get to. And that shape can be Nick Lima being part of that first wave of two alongside Bradley. Mm-hmm. Or it can be McKenney being deeper um, and then other people are beyond, right? So three, two, two, three is mm-hmm. always the attacking shape they end up with. Yep. And if you can go back, if you DVR the game, if you can go back and look at it, you can also see the little variations within the three, two, two, three, right? You'll yep. see Boyd tucked in a little more. You'll see Pulisic pushed over toward Ariola. They've actually almost got a Pulisic Ariola overload mm-hmm. like it's 2v1 uh, down the US left like just very clear evidence that that's part of the plan yes yeah mm-hmm. so th- there you go that's the the, the eventual shape is 3-2-2-3 three, two, two, three. it is <laughs> uh, and it stays that way for at least the first half it changes a little bit in the second half we can talk about that in a second but first should we talk about today's sponsor yeah today's show is sponsored by our old friends at SeatGeek mm-hmm. they're not old they're a young dynamic company <laughs> but we've known them a long time we have. Uh, they've been with us for quite some time, right? They've been yep. helping us find tickets to, I think, things going back to the Copa America Centenario, yes, I think. Yes, absolutely. So, so thanks, Yikik, yeah. for sticking around. And they have a new um, initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, they want you to know that almost half of all MLS fans are female. That's not just a fact. It's something worth celebrating, which mm-hmm. means it also is a fact, right? This when is It's true. not just a fact. It actually is a fact. Yes, yeah. I think. That sounds <laughs> logical. Um, it's the summer of soccer, and as we support the women on the field in France, SeatGeek and Major League Soccer are teaming up to showcase the female fans at home who've made this sport all that it is. If you want to learn more about this collaboration mm-hmm. and to see the female fans of MLS showing their true colours, check out wefan, W-E-F-A-N, dot SeatGeek, S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K, correct? Yep. Dot com. Yeah, wefan, dot SeatGeek. You have the copy in front of you. Com. I know. I never trust myself. <laughs> Every time I spell something out, yeah. it feels wrong uh-huh. and i'm convinced i've made a mistake all right yeah so i'm glad you're here to double check me did yeah. you spell the dot com <laughs> the dot is like a tiny circle uh-huh. c-o-m okay we fan dot dot com the link will be in the show notes and essentially a whole sort of special report and research into female fans of major league soccer there you go and if you want to go see some soccer in person uh you're you can get ten dollars off your first purchase with SeatGeek, uh the official ticketing partner of major league soccer we don't often mention that right they are the official ticketing partner of major league soccer they are indeed so they are for example have tickets already available for uh mls all-star in orlando oh. you and i are thinking we'll be there hopefully we we'll be there. there we We're should be planning there. to be there. planning to be there yeah. might could be there there's a couple of logistical yeah. things but between uh, mm-hmm. Floyd Fest and chemo that I've got to figure out, but I'm hoping to get it done. Yeah, I think people are now scratching their heads about Floyd Fest. Yeah, 
We'll leave that to them. Look it up. Yeah. Look it up. Uh, also, there are tickets available for the semifinal in Nashville, the United States versus Jamaica, on yeah. July 3rd, I believe it is. Oh, yeah, because we won this quarterfinal. There you go. That's how it works. Um, yeah, so if you wanted to get tickets to either of those or any other event, not just sports, but concert, theater, uh, comedy, whatever you want, uh-huh. uh, just download the app and enter promo code TSS today. That's TSS. Do you want to spell that out too, Daryl? Uh, it's the letter T, the letter yeah. S, and the letter S. There it is. Yeah. Uh, for $10 I don't even off. I to say it. I don't. Spell it again. <laughs> TSS. For $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase, SeatGeek, a ticket for every fan. Oh, that's a new a new tagline. It is. All oh, right. Very nice, SeatGeek. <laughs> a ticket for every fan. Thank you to SeatGeek for sponsoring today's Total Soccer Show. Indeed. Now we get sad? Now we get sad. <laughs> yes. So we mentioned at the top of the show that we saw elements of mm-hmm. positional play. We saw elements of pulling Curacao out. In the first half especially, and it was enough to get us one goal, maybe a couple more if the finishing had been slightly, slightly better. Yeah. But we also saw stuff that we were not happy about. And my biggest thing that I wasn't happy about in this game is the U.S.'s defensive setup. I thought it was kind of weak and ineffective. I I agree 1,000%. Instead of my usual 100%. Just because, and we talked about this a little bit. You you and Timmy Chandler go for 1,000%. He was 1,000% committed to the U.S. men's national Then no, not that much. Because (laughs) then you go, I feel like he went full circle and became uncommitted by going too far. I feel like almost if you use a fake number, it's obvious that you're not serious. Yeah, that could be. That could be. (laughs) Um, But I I think, and we talked about this uh, just before we started recording, but like what was frustrating to me, as I've said, there's a lot of like, like hypotheticals that ended up not being, but there's another like in like some other uh, multiverse where the United States did finish those two chances uh, the other two chances we talked about so it's 3-0 at halftime and then they kind of execute a coherent and consistent defensive game plan yeah. Curacao can't really do anything and even if it ends up 3-0 and they don't create and the US doesn't score any more goals or create any more chances it's sort of a like yeah it's a routine win 3-0 they didn't really do it in the second half but the United States didn't let them do anything so overall it's a good result but because they didn't take those chances it finishes 1-0 and because to your point how sort of inconsistent the United States looked in their defense, especially in the second half. Yeah. It has me feeling slightly more concerned than I expected. Yeah. To Should we take this half by half then? Sure. Um, in the first half, the Curacao plan mm-hmm. was, well, play out of the back. Our goalkeeper room is mm-hmm. like great with his feet. Um, he gives the ball to Martina or Latchman. And then they have, uh, we thought it would be Bakuna, right? We thought he would be the go-to pivot guy. Mm-hmm. It was Shemaine, uh, Shemaine, Shemaine Martina, number 15, who's sort of, does the job that Bradley does for us, because we're essentially doing the same thing here, right? Four three three, um, um, they, and they look they look to play through him, right? Mm-hmm. What the US does is we have we go into our four four two, we have Pulisic and Zardes are the front two in the defensive shape. They sort of block off the angles of the centre backs theoretically, yep. and then we have usually Bradley, occasionally McKenney come and mark uh, Shemaine Martina mm-hmm. number fifteen to prevent that ball going to him, mm-hmm. right? Which Kind of makes sense, but it still leaves the fullbacks kind of free. It does. Right? So Curacao are able to eventually play out of this a few times. Yes. We still in the first half? Yes, in the first yeah. half. And actually, not so much are they able to play it because Bradley is blocking off that pass to Martina. But what does happen is when they, whenever they break us, whenever they manage to break through eventually, because Bradley is so high... Suddenly we're in trouble. Like, do you remember when Bakuna so, sort of dribbles down the field? Oh, I remember that because it's actually Weston McKinney who loses him. And that's okay. what I was, was going to say is I think the fullbacks being open is more of a product of the second half. Yeah. I think the issue that for Greg Berhalter and I think why he made some adjustments at halftime is that what you did have, yeah, to your point, you the had half? Bradley stepping forward to get on uh, Shermaine Martina. But I think a lot of times Weston McKinney also went forward. And I think the, wing, the wingers also went forward. And so you had a lot of like pressure high up the field. But if on the occasion that Curacao were able to find a way through, 
then suddenly they had 60 yards of counterattack. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that one that you're mentioning was in, like, the 41st minute, I think. And it's McKinney, yeah, he just steps, gets beat by Bakuna to 1-2, and then he's now 10 yards behind and can never catch up, and no one else can because the United States have, has yeah. committed numbers further forward. And I think from that they win a corner kick, yep. and then that doesn't go well, but the second nope. corner kick, there's a latchman header that's yep. just over the bar. So mm-hmm. that could have could have resulted in a goal. Absolutely. So my guess is that essentially the U.S. did a bad job of uh, having enough numbers back when Curacao did break through us, and we got nervous about that and then went more defensive in the second half. Yes. Yeah? And this is where I get even more confused because, yes, I think they absolutely did that. I think what the adjustment was at halftime is, look, we don't want to let Curacao have any opportunities to play through the middle to catch us sort of wide open or too stretched. So I think he has Michael Bradley and Weston McKinney sit deeper, which makes sense because now there's like more defensive presence, especially in the middle. Yeah. But what's really confusing to me is that he doesn't have Jesse Zardes and Christian Pulisic also drop in. And so instead, what it leaves is a 3v2 Against the United States yeah. every single time. So what they're trying to do is have Zardes and Pulisic mm-hmm. stand between Martino and Latchman, the two centre-backs, and Shemaine Martina, yep. the defensive midfielder. And they're trying to split the difference between essentially that triangle. But you're literally playing a game of 3v2, right? Mm-hmm. This is like a practice game that you would have the, have the Curacao team play to like work on their possession, yep. right? You outnumber the... We are, we are literally outnumbered um, at that point in the field. And they could always eventually find Martina. Yeah. Always eventually. And, and now this is where I'm going to change the that's good, that's bad game to the I get what you're doing, but that's bad. Okay. Because I think the United States then were sort of in this mindset of like, fine, we're up 1-0. If you all want to possess slowly out of the back and work it around, go ahead. Yeah. And we will sit off. The thing is, if you're going to do that, I get that approach. You've got to have the discipline to back it up and to execute it. And I think, yes, like, uh, Greg Berhalter spotlighted Room, the goalkeeper, as having great feet. Yeah. Um, I would agree with that. But I think the other thing he had, as did the two center backs, was patience. And they were, they were happy to keep the ball, even when they're losing, even in the 60th or 65th or 70th yeah, minute. refused to go long. Absolutely refused to go long. But eventually, instead of the United States just being like, okay, fine, just keep cycling it around, eventually somebody steps forward and somebody else steps forward. And that's where I say in the second half, like, there's the one to start the second half inside the first minute that like the United States do force them back and then you have Christian Pulisic comes over and like or Tyler Boyd blocks off the right side then it goes to the right back and uh, Paul Areola comes running forward and it goes back to the goalkeeper and Areola pursues and then it's just just a chipped ball over and it finds the right back for Curacao and now they're away down that channel and it felt like the United States had this goal of fine we'll sit back and let you have the ball thinking that eventually it would force Curacao into going long and instead they just kept waiting and the United States bit. I mean, they were technically really good, Curacao, yes. in terms of finding space you, you, and breaking you mean, you mean that, like, technically as in their technical ability, right? Yes. Not they were technically good. Yeah, I don't mean, okay, it, cool. I don't mean it as, like, like technically a, they were good. a pejorative qualifier. I got you. Okay, they, cool. Their technique was good. I got you. There their we go. That threw good. me for a minute. I was like, yeah, yeah they were just good, dude. It wasn't well phrased. <laughs> it wasn't. What can I say? People are underperforming tonight, but we'll still get through the sentence. If, if it helps. <laughs> Not the worst performance on the evening. <laughs> um, so my other problem with yeah. this defensive setup is... And I've thought this the whole time, every mm-hmm. time we've defended, but we just haven't had to do that much defending, right? Yep. This is the first time we've had to do a bit of serious defending. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get, say, Pulisic and Zardes as the front two, it just looks like there's no actual plan to win the ball back. It's mm-hmm. more like, we'll be yep. kind of in the way, and you've got to try and play through us. But you compare it to watching, like, 
this is a tough comparison, but you compare it to watching Klopp's Liverpool, Pochettino's Spurs. Those front two are taking positions that are forcing the opposition mm-hmm. into a certain way. Like it, so if, in the ideal world, it would be Pulisic would cut off the angle so the only ball available was maybe back to the other centre-back and Zardes would already be on that centre-back. Yeah. Or if the angle is out to the right-back, then Paul Ariola would already be there ready to pounce on that, on that right-back. Yeah. It never felt like any sort of trap was set and we were pressuring them in a way that made it put them in uncomfortable situations it was almost just like we let them be comfortable they were yeah. put in comfortable situations yeah it, yes which is so confusing and this is why like i kept not quite getting what the united states was trying to do especially in the second half because yeah, yeah to your point we would see this like the moment when like say Lachman plays it to kuko martina uh the two center backs and you would see like jossi zardes okay now he stepped in between those two center backs so that passes and on pulisic is blocking off uh Shemaine martina so now they can't play through there so they play it to the right back and then, like, Jesse Zardes would drop back and Pulisic would drop back. And then the ball would just go back to the other center back and it would just keep kind of moving. Yeah. And it never felt like they were cutting off op- options to force uh, Curacao back and back and back. And then eventually they go long. I think that was the idea. Yeah. But they never actually executed that final half that forced the long ball. Because the real thing is eventually, instead of going long, they would eventually find a way through. Yeah. And all we've done is sort of stuck our finger in the dam for a mm-hmm. while and then eventually the dam breaks. Yeah, right? because because also, uh, to go back to it, because eventually also then the United States do finally get tired of that, like, okay, they've just recycled it and recycled it and recycled it, we're going to send another runner, we're going to send another runner. Yeah, like Ariola would break late yeah. on the right back. He's 20 yards from him and he'd yeah. go charging at him like a madman. And, and, and <laughs> so then you might think, yes, he would. And the problem there is like, then you might think, well, okay, fine, now they've committed numbers. It should be the case that now the United States has kind of blocked everything off. You've got this blockade. There's no way to play through except that because it felt like a, okay, now I guess I'll go. Okay, now I guess I'll go. It wasn't a planned, coordinated system. And so Curacao kept finding space because the United States kept leaving space. Oy. Um, so Rant complete for now. Wouldn't, wouldn't it have been better then if instead of having Pulisic and Zardes stand high but not be useful, mm-hmm. if we actually just – if we're going to defend, just actually yeah. defend. Like we, We'll sit back in a 4 4 2, let them come at us, and then we could maybe hit them in transition. Yeah. Right? Then you could hit them with Boyd and Pulisic or later Morris and Pulisic and Ariola in transition. Yep. We never had good transition moments except for the one time Ariola tackled someone. Yeah. Yes. That's and, it, right? Yeah. And, and crossed it to Zardes and Zardes put it over the bar. Yeah. In the 70-something minute. We can, yeah. we can talk about Zardes in a second. Okay. Because I have thoughts. Um, but yes, I mean, that's the one time it comes off. And even then, the frustrating thing is that that's Curacao forcing a pass. I think that's when they start to get a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, yeah. But even then, that wasn't the United States necessarily doing the right thing and finally like pulling off a coordinated press. I don't mean, and I mean no disrespect because Paul Ariola wins the ball, controls it, has a one two, has a great cross into the box. It's great work from him. But it's not like. It's a product of what the U.S. was doing. It's more so a mistake from Curacao that the United States yep. was able to almost capitalize upon. Right, I think we've put enough evidence out yeah. that this four four two defensive shape mm-hmm. hasn't didn't work in this game, or at least wasn't impressive enough to try and win the ball back in yep. this game, or wasn't impressive enough to force them long. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, you could also argue that uh, in the end it works, so maybe we're okay. What do you mean? That like they didn't score. They didn't have any high quality scoring opportunities. Mm-hmm. So maybe maybe we can say that this worked. Uh, I mean, no. no okay. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I don't think so because I don't think that that was a product of the United States getting it right. Again, I th- I honestly think if if Curacao had a 
one better attacking player, one better striker yeah. who was a bit more calm in front of goal. Yeah, Arias was good at like coming deep and yep. like connecting play and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff, but he didn't have... You know, we talked about that moment of magic where you yeah. get your quality player matched mm-hmm. up and Pulisic did that. I don't think they quite had that in the box. You said it earlier that like it was it was a very similar style and approach uh, from Curacao that we've seen from the United States, and I think that extends to their presence in front of goal, that I think there were moments when if they slow it down... Arias the Curacao's artist? A little bit. Uh, if he found if he slowed it down and maybe had a better touch on a couple occasions, uh-huh. or maybe tried to look for a pass on a couple of occasions, rather than I mean, especially in the final fifteen, I think anytime they got near the goal, it seemed like they were looking to shoot as opposed to continue to pass. Yeah, yeah. I think if if we come up against a team that is a slightly better attacker or a couple attackers, yeah, they find a way through. They have that quick one too yeah. in the box. Okay, I think so okay, so we've definitely made the case that the four four two doesn't mm-hmm. work. Here's where I am with it. I I am not concerned about the um, us with the ball. Yeah, because uh, I think. Long term, this is a thing we're working on, and I see it getting better game by game. Maybe today's like a little mm-hmm. bit of regression from the previous three games, but it was good enough to open space and make a chance. Long term, I'm still not necessarily confident, but willing to see out the Bearhalter experiment mm-hmm. of us having the ball and positional play and opening people up. But long term, I'm genuinely concerned about the way we defend. Okay. Right, so that's, that's my position right now. All right. I, w- I really want to see some improvement, or at least maybe a better plan for how we defend in the 4-4-2. I think, honestly, I think that's it for me, is that, a lot of times when we go back and rewatch, we're like, oh, okay, this is what they did. And it's really, really comforting when we can figure out the narrative of like, okay, this was a problem in the first half. He adjusted this, but that led to this problem. So then they adjusted here. Yeah. And you can see the flow. Here, I can understand why they dropped uh, uh, McKenney and Bradley deeper. That makes sense to me. But then why not have everybody else do it? It felt like almost as though he like ran out of time at halftime and like didn't quite get to say, <laughs> hey, by the way, you guys dropped too. <laughs> like, you don't really say that's what happened. No, I'm not saying that's what happened. But it's just it was that confusing to me. And I'm going to keep harping on it. Like To me, it goes back to I think that they did not understand what Curacao were going to do. I think they thought they were going to bunker. To the extent that like in his defensive press conference, Greg Berhalter said, like, well, you know, Curacao, were, they were bunkered and they made it really difficult to find a way through. And I contrast that with moments even in the first half when you, you Daryl, were like, man, they're really going at us. Like, they're really stretched out. Like, they're trying to put us under pressure. Yeah. Like, they weren't bunkered. And so it, it seemed to me like there was this expectation that, oh, we know they'll go long, so just sit back. Yeah. And when they didn't, it was more of a, like, yeah, well, eventually they're going to go long yeah. rather than, like, oh, they're they not just, going long. We should change. They, they took a little while to solve the Rubik's Cube, yeah. but they would do it every time. Yes, yeah? exactly. They yeah. never threw it across the room. Exactly. And, that, and again, <laughs> it, what I do. it goes to the patience. It goes to the kind of <laughs> calmness on the ball that I think yeah. wasn't expected. Okay. The other problem I think the United States had in the second half is – I feel harsh, but it's Jassy's artist. I do think that was an All issue. Right. Because, Let's get into some individual player sure. sort of um, analysis then. I yeah. don't even know why I hesitate because I think I just to say that like when you're saying that like U.S. dropped off and kind of lost their rhythm, it's tough to isolate one player. But the thing that I noticed a couple different times, once in the first half but definitely more so in the second half, was a, a hesitation from players – Michael Bradley twice to play the ball under the feet of Jassy Zardes under pressure in traffic. We did say in the mm-hmm. preview that we noticed Kuka Martina, their yep. captain, probably their best player, yep. maybe Bakuna, but probably the best player, would often track the center forward yep. and happily go with them wherever they went and then scurry back into position. He did a perfect job of that 
on Zardes. So did. every time Bradley looked for Zardes, Martino was at his back. And I think that was enough to maybe think Bradley think, I'm not sure Zardes can handle well, this pass. Yeah, because if you combine it with what we've already talked about from the first half of the United States losing the ball, having too many numbers converted forward, and now you're giving a counterattack where it's just one player dribbling for 50 yards. If you've been told, don't give that up, we don't want them dribbling at us like that anymore. If they're going to counterattack, we want them wide and after kind of a spell of possession. If you see Jossie Zardes there with a, with a player on his back... I think you don't make that pass because I think there's a fear that maybe he takes a heavy touch, yeah. they win that ball, and now you have committed numbers forward and you've lost the ball in a vulnerable spot. So that ball ends up not getting played. I'd also argue that he's not screaming for it. Yeah. Like, I've seen mm-hmm. better strikers, better hold-up strikers who have a defender in their back and they just don't care because yeah. they are like they're, they're willing to like throw a little elbow, push back on that guy, um, create, this, create a bit of separation with like a bump backwards and a bounce forwards mm. and just demand for the ball. And they just have the confidence that it doesn't matter. If this ball's coming into me, I'm protecting it and then I'm going to do something with it. And you never got that aura from, or that sort of vibe from Jesse Zardes that I don't care, give it to me, I can handle it. Right, and you, and you need that, but you also need it more so just than just because you want your forward to have that mentality, but because... Go back to the chances we talked about in the fourth minute, the one that Pulisic almost scores off his foot, off his knee, and then gets saved. Yeah, yeah. Zardes drops in and combines, and it's a different pattern. It doesn't go wide, but he's involved for the goal, as we talked about. He drops in. He pulls Martina out. Yeah. Martina then has to get back in line. He he's able to, to get do back so. in the back he, four, right? He does. But both of those moments are Giassi Zardes moving, the ball being kind of fired into his feet, and him being able to control it. More or less. But when you stop having that, that appears to be a key part of what the United States are trying to do offensively. And if now you're removing that from the equation of him kind of disrupting what Curacao are trying to do, you disrupt your own attack as a result. I want to double down on you saying that's a key part because that's literally, if you can get the centre-backs out of position... Mm -hmm. That's huge. That's yep. like the strongest point of the castle. Yeah. That, and if you can find a gap there, you should go through it. Yes, <laughs> and you should. And they did not, the yeah. United, or could not, rather, the United uh-huh. States. And so, so why? Sorry, if you got more to say, uh, not about that. More uh, about Zardes. I was going to ask why no Josie Altador, and we got the answer in the Greg Berhalter press did conference. Did we? Right. <laughs> we got an answer. We got an answer. Uh-huh. He essentially um, said, "Oh, didn't think Josie was the best option in a transition game." Is why they didn't bring him off the bench. He didn't really answer yeah. why Josie didn't start. Uh, I think he left that one as sort of like, well, you know, Jesse's been doing some stuff. Like, it was a very... I think we can predict that Altidore isn't 100% yep. fit based mm-hmm. on the fact that Altidore didn't start, yep. right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. There, wasn't there also... Was there a quote about that, or have I imagined that? I can't remember. Okay, let's, let's forget I said that then. That's fine. But yeah, but that, <laughs> yeah. that was his explanation for, I think, the implication was we planned to bring him on, yeah. but it turned into a transition game. Because we thought we'd be more on the front foot and yep. possessing the ball, mm-hmm. but instead, because we're in transition... Like, I guess the transition meaning, like, someone who's just quicker to get in behind, I would I imagine. Guess. Is Zardes faster than Altidore? Uh, maybe he is. Maybe right? not right but, now. I mean, m- maybe he is right now, at least. If, if Altidore is yeah. not fully fit. Exactly. We're getting towards the point where there's only two If we there's only two games left, right? Mm-hmm. Third place playoff Hopefully. or final. Yeah. I mean, we'll, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, unless they've counted it. I honestly I don't know. I'm starting to wonder, should Josie have been on this roster? I, I love Josie Altidore. I really do. I think he's a really good player. I'm starting to wonder if he should have been on this roster if he wasn't fully yeah. fit. And maybe Josh Sargent should have been the backup to Zardes because yeah. at least he was fully fit. I mean, if if we go up against Jamaica and it's Jassy Zardes starting again, which I think it will be at this point. You do? Okay. Yeah, then I think that means, yeah, there's no chance that he was going to be ready to start consistently in yeah. this tournament. And that's that's an issue. But I think it's also an issue because we saw... The moments from Jossie Zardes that make everybody frustrated. Yeah. We saw some okay moments, but we also saw like the miss you mentioned um, in the second half. It's a great ball in from Paul Ariola. You know what Zardes is trying to do. He has the right idea. He doesn't pull off the execution. He and leans back too far, in my opinion. He leans back That's too far why the ball goes home. and yeah. intercepts it over. 
But it's not just that he kind of like, oh, he gets his technique wrong a little bit in that moment. It's more so that if the United States is going to play a style of soccer on occasion when they are sitting off and they are kind of trying to defend and then hit on the break, you need a striker who will finish those opportunities because you might only get one. Yeah. Yeah. And instead, the United States had, what, three shots on target in the game? I think that's true. I'm not sure if any came from Jesse's artist. I mean, I can't remember. Two from Pulisic. I can't remember the third. I have to believe it. That is the goal. And that's what I'm saying. I think I'm including, oh, excuse me, then you're right. One from Christian Pulisic, one from Weston McKinney, which is the goal, and I think one from Tyler Boyd. Okay, that maybe just the keeper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, speaking of keepers, Zach Steffen. 100% yeah. good, except for that one moment with his feet. He keeps having those he moments. He keeps having that moment. This is what, towards the end of the first half, mm-hmm. um, there's a back pass to him. He just takes a heavy first touch and it creates essentially a 50 50 ball, right. which he then wins and clears. I have a theory now. Okay. I like this idea. We think of a goalkeeper, especially for the U.S. national team, as a leader, right? Like, they're the ones who sort of, like, uh, Tim Howard. Traditionally, because we've had these older keepers who've stuck around forever, they've become leaders, right? Okay. Like, Fre- uh, Friedel and Howard. But they're, yeah. like, they're a big part of the team, right? And if yeah. you're Zach Steffen and you look around and you see all of your teammates kind of having erratic play and not having their best possible game, but you're doing great, yeah. then you're kind of head and shoulders above the team. So you've got to have that one moment that brings doubt so that, every, you know, then you're on the same level. Oh, so he just did it for everybody yeah, else. exactly. He oh, just right. did it so that, you know, now we're on the same level, which means <laughs> if you're grading on a curve, everybody moves up a yeah. level. So, yeah. Oh, well done, well done Zach, Zach Steffen. Yeah, exactly. The one everybody he... got C pluses instead of Cs? Yeah. All right. The thing he did do well, he held one. Remember the one shot that he caught? Mm-hmm. That gave me a nice calm feeling. And he the tip over at the very caught end. Caught and went down. And the big thing yeah. is the save at the end. From Bakuna, who I think we've seen before, has a really yep. nice shot from outside the box. Again, Bakuna plays in the Premier League. Everybody remember yep. that, right? That's who we're up against here. Mm-hmm. Um, he what, gets away from Michael Bradley um, when the ball <laughs> yeah. is placed on the top of the box, creates enough space for him to get this nice bending shot that's going sort of top corner-ish. Stefan is... I, I rewatched and watched just Stefan throughout this. He's constantly adjusting his position so that by the time the shot comes, he's in a perfect spot to be able to, to reach up and tip this over. Yes. I think that there are games... Uh, so well done to Zach Stefan for that yeah. save. I think that there are... Saved us here, right? This could have yeah. gone to extra time. I would have had to... I would have regretted not adding the extra few minutes to the, the DVR. Yes. I did add it in the end, by the way. That's troubling. <laughs> um, but I, I also think that there are games in which if you do not like Michael Bradley, you can still make a case that he had a bad game, yeah. but you have to work a little bit harder because there are games when I think he stands out. I think this is a game where, to your point, that's the 84th minute that he kind of loses his mark, gets beaten a little easily, yeah. that shot comes off. That literally happens inside the first minute, that he goes to kind of step to a ball and the yeah, yeah. player just kind of one-two touches around him. And that happened kind of regularly in this Wait, game. Does, does he lose Bakuna on this? I thought he just like steps out to him because no one else has got him. No, I think he, he drifts away from him because I think he's trying to block off the pass. Yeah, he's then has to charge back in, yeah. out because he realizes, oh no, he's going to shoot the ball. Oh, this is the defensive crowd situation, right? Where it he's is. trying to play the angles instead mm-hmm. of thinking about the one player. Which, if I'm not even trying to be a, a Bradley apologist, though I have been and can, will continue to be labeled one, yeah. I think this was more so. Did you wear a, a t shirt that says Bradley apologist on All it? the time. Yeah. All the time, front and back, just so yeah. everybody knows. That's and more all, about, and all about Bradley's too. baseball writer. Right? Yeah, exactly. I don't even know who that is, but yes. <laughs> brother, Bob Bradley's brother. <laughs> did not know that. Now yeah. I know things. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> you can tell by the one Mississippi silence, I think, <laughs> that I did not know that. Uh, but I think this was a game in which, like, we know his vulnerabilities. We know his strengths, but we know his vulnerabilities, Bradley. Yeah. And this is a game where I think because of the sort of questionable decisions defensively, he was left 
exposed a lot of the time because if you get past the front two, which became a front four on occasion, then suddenly Bradley is tasked with stepping to the ball but tracking a man but maybe also tracking another man. And yeah. I don't think that's his, his, cover, his right? skill set. Yeah. yeah, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's – I mean it's a thing we know. It's not even yep. a worry, right? It's just a no. thing we know about Michael Bradley and the positives of maybe his passing mm-hmm. and some of what he does driving us forward I still think is worth the trade-off. Yeah. Yeah? I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean I, I would certainly rather see – this sounds harsh again, but I would rather see him there than Will Trapp, I yeah. think, from, from what we've seen recently at least. All right. I do agree with some of the people who've been arguing that maybe this is a game where we saw why Tyler Adams would be nice to have around. Yes. I mean, yeah. imagine an adams McKenney central midfield. That's got some legs in it. That would have been enjoyable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk Jordan Morris. Sure. He came in and you were really worried <laughs> about his defensive cover, and I agree with you. Um, I mean, I was... I was a little worried when Jordan Morris came in because I thought Tyler Boyd had an okay game. I think yeah. by the standards of the day, he had a better game mm-hmm. than most. It seemed um, like the bench didn't like what he was doing in terms yeah. of defensive shape, yes. which I kind of feel like he had a better idea than everybody else. I agree. But it wasn't maybe the team idea, so that's maybe why you put him off. But you know what I'm going to lead with, right? Jordan Morris comes on in the 63rd minute. Yeah. What's the first thing he does, Daryl? He self-nutmegs. He self-nutmegs. Yeah. He tries to control the ball. It's hard to do. It is. He tries <laughs> to control the ball that's played out by, I believe, Walker Zimmerman. Yeah. And it... Uh, goes through Jordan Morris's legs. Yep. Curacao get possession back. But that's, so, not, that's not the big. Pro- it wasn't really what he no. did with the ball was the problem, right? Is what he did off the ball. I the, think that is the bigger problem because I think what we've been talking about is that like the front two of Pulisic and Zardes became a front four as the United States slowly put numbers forward because they did want to put Curacao under pressure to force that long ball. And I think Greg Berhalter did not want that to happen. I think it was impatience from the American team. Yeah. Tyler Boyd routinely, I think, started stepping forward. So Jordan Morris comes in, and I think the idea is Jordan Morris is supposed to stay back be a bit more defensive, make sure that kind of option out wide is blocked off. But I think he kind of doesn't do that because he does drop He does drop deep. But I think also we saw him a lot of times drifting more central and the ball, like the, the switch was on pulled in. every single time. Yeah, he yeah. gets pulled in. He keeps forgetting to look over his shoulder and see what the uh, left back uh, Stati mm-hmm. is doing. Yeah. Stati, as I call him, like Matt Damon yeah. in The Departed. That's what you should. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he, there were just too many times where you see him be like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to do that. There were yep. a couple of times where he would then sprint out to – Trying to fix the oh, mistake man. he caused. I, f- I forget the minute, but there's the one where he, he does exactly what you just described, yeah. which is forget that it's his mark until the ball's in the air. Then he realizes, oh, I'm supposed to yeah. be there. Then he gets into a theoretical defensive position, gets beat by a just kind of faint one way, goes the other. He really buys it, right? Really buys yeah. it. He, then, spends, he spends all his money on it. He does. <laughs> then he tries to make up for it by going full speed back to try to block the cross off. The cross is delivered. And he completely takes out the player. Oh, card, and I think right? if the referee had spotted it, I think the referee's watching the ball on the cross in as opposed to the kind of aftermath of the cross. Yeah. It could have been a card and a free kick, like right near the US goal. Maybe a red for like endangering an opponent. I mean, I don't, I don't know. High? I mean, it was, it was aggressive. It was the floor. It was he an aggressive tackle. There's no VAR. Yes. So, <laughs> but I just think like that sequence right there is like if you're bringing him in to be a more like solid defensive or like wide defensive option. Yeah. Positioning didn't really solidify that, and then yeah. sequences like that certainly didn't solidify things. Okay, we, we don't need to talk about every single player, but I'd mm-hmm. like to, as a blanket, mention all four defenders. Sure. Um, I would argue all four defenders had moments when they struggled to play out of the back, but it was mostly because the midfield and the wingers maybe weren't showing mm-hmm. or weren't providing good options, right? So there's a misplaced pass because yeah. of that. Every single defender had at least one in the box, really good moment. Yep. Like a thing where Curacao would advance to the point where they're in our 18 and like Nick Lima stands someone up and like doesn't let them have an angle and eventually blocks a shot. Uh, definitely Aaron Long in the first minute or so, mm-hmm. right, gets a tackle in the box to relieve pressure. 
Tim Ream has one as well. That's really that's really important. I'm yeah. sure Walker Zimmerman did as well. Tim Ream has the uh, the side tack on the through ball that like I, yes. that looked for all the world like it was oh, going to end up in a, ball, in a great which is the shooting chance. Best pass of the game, right? Yep, absolutely the best pass of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Rose Lavelle worthy. That's how good it was. It sure was. <laughs> um, so yeah, every defender kind of stood up to the the dangerous moment and made sure they didn't let Curacao have yeah. um, a good a good like eye on goal. Right. I, I would say if you're looking at like best performers in this game, I don't think anybody had a particularly good. game game but i do think your back four were more or less the best players and i'd add christian pulisic into there yeah i would say the reason why they might stand out in a bad way the defenders is because the distribution wasn't as tight as i think we would have liked yeah but i also think and i agree with some people who are making this point on twitter that i i don't think there was a lot of service from the midfield in terms of showing when like walker zimmerman especially i think there was a couple times when he was looking for weston mckinney to drop in a little bit faster or any other player to drop in a little bit faster and it wasn't as automatic as kind of practiced as we would have expected yeah and so it ends up that he either has to try to force the ball in once the player has shown but now has a mark or he ends up having to kick it long because nothing else is on. Okay, to tie this all together, I've got a slight theory that the sort of weird passive defensive shape mm-hmm. we had, bl- the attitude bled over into when we had the ball in the second half, and we just got a bit more passive when we had possession instead of being, yeah. all right, we're on it, we're moving it fast, we're moving, I'm in, I'm out, like, I'm going here, you're going there. Mm-hmm. I think that whole thing slowed down. I think it might just be a, a tempo blood pressure, how fast your blood is throwing, how, how fast your adrenaline's running mindset type yep. thing that bled over. I'm yes. not sure if sports scientists would agree with me on that, but <laughs> it feels right to me. I mean, I think if you... If it you, has truthiness, as Colbert would say. There we are. <laughs> I think if you've been told, we're up 1-0, don't like give them easy opportunities, yeah. sit back, make them come at you, if there's a situation like there was when Ariola wins the ball and ends up playing in Zardes, take that chance. Yeah, but otherwise, chance. take your time and be smart. Yeah. It makes it harder because if you've practiced this, like everybody moving and everybody kind of running off the ball and there's a lot of fluidity, if you're now kind of stopping that in order to keep possession, yep. it changes everything you're doing. You got anything else to say about this game? No, other than like I, I, I genuinely leave this game very conflicted because mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about it, Gold Cup, the group stage, even the initial knockout round, it's always kind of a mixed bag. It's tough to really know. Yep. I would have loved to have seen a slightly more comprehensive performance. It yeah, would have yeah. made me feel, especially coming after the Panama game, would have made me feel more like, yeah, Daryl's right. Patterns of play, rotations, it's all coming together. But I am right. That was still there. And my argument mm-hmm. on the, pan- the after the Panama review wasn't that it's all working great right now. No, it it's was. That- you said everything's perfect. Everything's great. You said 100%. This is how it should be always. I sort of explained what it is it. that we're trying to do yeah. and that it's worth investing in long term and mm-hmm. not expecting it to be perfect right now. Even though everyone's mad at US soccer for 2018 yep. and, and all that sort of stuff, be patient and eventually maybe we get the rewards of having a really nice possession-based team. Mm-hmm. Right? That was my argument. I still stand by that argument. But now I have a little asterisk next to it. There's, but we should worry about how we defend. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but that's... I mean. We should worry about how we defend is a slightly bigger asterisk than yeah. I would feel comfortable with after the fourth game of the tournament. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I guess the only thing to say is that we played Jamaica on Wednesday. We do. Wednesday night against Jamaica. Yeah. To me, this is a really big game because mm-hmm. this is a team that, one, is pretty good. Um, two, beat us recently in a friendly. Mm-hmm. So this would be, if you're, um, if you're Greg Brehalter and you've made the argument that it's, it's okay if we lose the friendlies because we learn things from them, you then have to win the competitive game. Mm-hmm. Right? He, yeah, and he, he kind of 
set the blueprint right here. He kind of told us what's to come. He was asked about this at the very end, I think, about like this is the press conference. Yeah, that you all lost. uh, This is Jamaica team that you all lost against in a friendly leading into this tournament. Uh, After this result, how do you like kind of respond to that? What went wrong? And basically, he said it's about the speed of movement that we did not have nearly enough movement, uh, and we didn't have the mentality to go at them and get behind them, and that's what caused us problems in this game or the Jamaica game. In the Jamaica game, both. So I think uh, against uh, in the Jamaica game specifically. Yeah. So if that's his answer, then the implication would be that there's going to be a lot more movement and they're going to be trying to get in behind Jamaica early and often and regularly. Yeah, and then the big thing will be the physical test as well. Because if you remember, Jamaica essentially bullied us, yep. right? They picked on Georgie Mihailovic mm-hmm. and, and everybody else and knocked us over a, a lot. Um, so this is going to be a huge, huge test for the U.S. men's national team. I'm honestly quite excited to watch it because I think it is the first proper test that Berhalter will have, yeah. right? And again, like, it's not Germany or the Netherlands. We're not testing ourselves against the world's very, very best, but we're testing ourselves against one of the better CONCACAF nations. Yeah, we are. Yeah, okay. So that will be Wednesday. We'll have a preview of that Probably on Tuesday. I think there's another game on Tuesday as well. I believe heard there it. is. It's the U.S. women's national team. Versus some whiny country who won't stop complaining about stuff. <laughs> I'm not even going to respond to that. All right. Um, it's U.S. versus England. How dare you look at hotels? <laughs> <laughs> Phil Neville is outraged. Oh, he could dear. barely button his waistcoat. He was so upset. <laughs> Did you say his monocle fell out? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's racist. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's an old Simpsons joke of like... Uh, a man in a monocle. I think it's when they have a, ho- a racing horse that has like a mohawk yeah. and his monocle falls out into his glass of champagne <laughs> and breaks and he says, that's my third monocle this week. I simply <laughs> must stop being so horrified. That's Phil Neville to me right now. So that World Cup semi-final mm-hmm. is on Tuesday. Yes. We'll have a preview of that on Monday and I think I'll just backwards describe the first half of the week for Total Soccer Show. Now, do you think Phil Neville's going to have the top hat and the spats? Or, like, what's he going to do to be properly formal for this game so as not to enrage the Queen? I, I'm not going to bite on any of this. How All about right. that? All right, that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Taylor Rockwell. All right. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. God save Kate Middleton. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. And maybe good night.